Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is another interview in my series called Weekly Wow with Women in the Middle. Weekly Wow introduces you to amazing women who have something relevant to share with women in the middle. Today's episode introduces you to Carol Rosenstein, an unbelievably talented woman and 2018 CNN Heroes Award nominee. Carol has been recognized for her work creating musical support group bands for seniors with neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, traumatic brain injury, stroke, and veterans with PTSD. Since 2014, her nonprofit, Music Men's Minds, has created 20 bands, either in development or bands already on the go, in the United States and Canada that have improved the quality of life for more than 800 people. Carol's story is interesting for several reasons. First, this is a second career for Carol, who originally trained as a chiropractor and has two master's degrees in transformational psychology and boards in clinical nutrition. Carol is now in her early 70s and is quite literally changing lives in such a meaningful way. It's a reminder to all of us that you're never too old to make a valuable contribution in the world. Second, Carol got involved with creating bands for seniors with neurodegenerative diseases in the first place because as a caregiver for her husband, who'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia, she realized that she and her husband both needed some help. Music helped her husband, Irwin, and having the support of other caregivers in such a fun and engaging way helped her. And third, you may have noticed that Carol and I share the same last name. Now, she pronounces it Rosenstein, and I pronounce it Rosenstein because my grandmother preferred Rosenstein. Carol's story and accomplishments are near and dear to my heart because she's family. I have watched her move mountains doing this work, and I can't wait for you to hear more. So, without further ado, enjoy the interview. Carol, welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Good morning, Cousin Susie. This is amazing for you to be interviewing me, and I'm delighted, I'm honored, and uh, give me some questions. Carol, your work in this area has touched so many lives. Can you tell us a bit about how it all started? My darling Irwin got a diagnosis of Parkinson's 12 years ago. Of course, that's a shocking diagnosis to receive. And um, I didn't quite know what I was going to be doing about this because it has, it's a disease that has no cure. And uh, I'm a fix-it girl all my life. And so miraculously, uh, I found that when Irwin was playing the piano, when his medications were very low because he was hallucinating and they had to reduce the dosage, Whilst he was playing a piano, I would see my prince sit up and start to engage in his environment from playing the piano. 
And I called our neurologist to report my findings. <laughs> and he said, Carol, you're watching the power of music change brain chemistry. He was so nonchalant about the statement. <laughs> I said, Dr. Bronstein, are you serious? He said, yes, the complexity of playing a musical instrument actually engages the brain to such a high level that it pushes natural dopamine, the neurotransmitter that is the one that is mostly involved in Parkinson's disease. So I told Erwin, we got to find some guys and gals to come and jam with you because there are probably others out there suffering from the same situation. And so that was, um, in a nutshell, it's a big nutshell, (laughs) that's how this whole wonderful magical game started. I can't even imagine what it's like to have a spouse who gets that kind of a diagnosis where there is no cure, and then to hear something so beautiful and so... I don't know, at first, music seems kind of innocent, but for somebody who has had music a part of their lives, I know he also plays saxophone and piano, and to hear that kind of a thing from the doctor, there's something that you can actually do that's easy to do, it must have given you such hope. Indeed. Uh, Hope is the operative word, because without this, um, there's nothing else. And it's the constant hope that keeps us going day by day, beat by beat. Yesterday at the Rotary International Convention, I attended a breakout lecture session with three researchers from Argentina and a clinical psychologist. And as I walked into the room, one of the Argentinian researchers came up to me and wrapped herself with her arms around me and said, Carol, in her very broken English, we want to work with music men's minds in Argentina. I'd never set eyes on these people before. And apparently, they are doing the research now to show what music is actually doing for the brain. And it's all because of neuroplasticity. It's about the, the brain being able to regenerate itself. So this is not only for, for diseased brains, but everybody, all of you out there, must engage in music when your kids want to start playing a musical instrument or in any form of music early on in their lives. Please support them, encourage them, because music today appears to be the magic and the medication for the mind. And so the earlier in your life that you start to participate in music, especially playing a musical instrument, actually is going to be shown that it's preventive. Wow, imagine using music for prevention for your brain, that it lasts longer than, uh, than most, because uh, the alarming rates of dementia today are so staggering. I answered a question in the lecture yesterday when asked, how, uh, how many people 
are getting dementia and what about the frequency? And I had read scientifically that it was every 65 seconds that somebody was being diagnosed with dementia in the world. And so now the underprivileged countries are also being investigated regarding dementia. And it's every three seconds. Can you imagine every three seconds in the world, a senior, mostly seniors, are being diagnosed with dementia. And here we sit with music, music, glorious music as the best medicine for the mind because there is no cure for dementia at this time. Wow, it is really unbelievable. And if I, I'm sure many of the women in the middle out there know somebody with Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's, and you can see that you can usually watch the decline yourself with your own eyes. And it gets to a point that when you lose this kind of function, you may not even you know, know your own name or not recognize loved ones. And what's so fascinating is the way the disease um, doesn't affect music memory in the same way that it affects so much, uh, so much other function in the brain. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's really amazing that somebody can sit down and play when they can't do so many other things in their life. This is the most important component. It, it is a, the platform upon which Music Men's Minds is resting. We now know that music storage in the cells of our brains and our bodies are untouched by the disease process. And so our musicians and singers, our patients that gravitate to our musical bands, support groups, if you will, all of them are stricken with disease processes that are stripping them of who they are. They may have been most successful attorneys, surgeons, you name it. Because of the disease process, they are stripped of this identity, and many don't even know their names or their birth dates or where they live. But because of this phenomenon of music storage being preserved and away from the disease process, you can put an instrument into their hands or lyrics up on the board and they will be whole and healthy in the moment playing music and playing sing and singing. And this is the miracle of this entire project that music is stored, the memory of music is stored impeccably and away from the disease process. That really is amazing when you think that somebody, you know how, you know, I play saxophone, I've played saxophone since I was 10. I'm not the best saxophone player in the world, but I play. And I know that even after I haven't played for a couple of years, I can sit down and it comes back. So, and if I haven't heard a song in decades, I hear the song and it's so familiar. And I'm sure that many of us can identify with that. It, it really is something. And it's something that we have access to. It's remarkable. Now, when you first started this organization, you didn't start with an organization, you started with a band. So can you tell us a little bit about pulling together that first band called the Fifth Dementia in Los Angeles? 
And then how you got this amazing and crazy idea to start a nonprofit. What was that like? It was magical. Yes, when I decided to find some guys and gals to come and jam musically with Erwin because I could see what the music was doing for him and wanted to share it with others, I found a venue that would allow us to have our little musical musicals and made about 30 phone calls to some friends around Los Angeles telling them of my crazy idea and set a date and a time, and that was our launch. And about, oh, 30 or 40 people showed up, which was so surprising. And within 10 minutes, four of them found their way to a beautiful Steinway piano in a music studio at a lovely school, private school, And then out came a saxophone, and there was a drum kit right next to the piano. And Sam, who unfortunately is now gone, but our harmonica player, and the four of these guys started to jam and have so much fun. And they turned out the core of four for the Fifth Dementia Band. So here we had twice a week a musical group that continued to grow and we could see the happiness that was following us all. And then what was I going to do about this? This this could end up being a business. I didn't know anything about nonprofits. And a couple people put some books in my hand. And that's a nightmare for me to go to a book and sort out this new world called nonprofit. But I I brought people in around me who handheld me, and step by step, uh, we ordered governance documents and found a name for the nonprofit, which I think is kind of cute, Music Men's Minds. We incorporated, and I had to come to grips with myself that this was another business. This was another opportunity And I could see multiple bands scattered all over the world. And I had to really reckon with myself that I had to rise to every occasion that I was called upon because this was the start of something great. And I was in a position to be able to serve humanity and watch the suffering turn into pure joy. And Susie, it's really quite interesting as I look back over my now 73 years of lifespan, I feel finally that I'm a graduate in life and that I'm doing what was intended for me to do during this lifetime. Oh my God, Carol, I'm so glad you mentioned that because so many women in the middle talk about, uh, many of them have been in jobs way too long and it's not fulfilling. They feel like life is passing them by. They don't know what they're meant to do. They're looking for some external inspiration to give their life meaning. And when you look at your past, you started out in chiropractic, Um, you know, you worked in Australia. You worked in South Africa, you worked in uh, California, and you also have a background in art. You're an accomplished artist. 
And when you look at all of the things you've done and all of the things that you've shown passion for and shown interest in, and now we kind of see it culminating with this work where you feel incredibly fulfilled, so much so that you feel like you were meant to do it. And what, when I work with clients, we talk about, you know, well, how, what do I want to do? They want a roadmap. And you can't just find a roadmap forward with the click of your fingers in a snap. Sometimes you do need to be really reflective and look at the kinds of things that have brought you joy and look for things in common. So when I look at your background, I see science and I see art. The, this, this building of a nonprofit was a little different. So I wonder what you see when you look at your lifetime and you look at what you've always been passionate about, and then you look at the extent to which that you're finding extreme fulfillment doing this work. What do you see? This really was um, a natural evolution for me because my Prince Charming, my darling Irwin, was really suffering. And I think that my background, being in healthcare, being in mind body medicine, and understanding the dynamics of the mind and the body, that this was just a gift that, that dropped into my lap. But of course, you have to be awake to the doors that are in front of you that are open. And you can only do that when you're very conscious because so many of us live unconsciously. We're mostly unconscious during our day. Unless you have had the good fortune to, to, to study and be engaged in mindfulness, which is really the key to all of this. And once you can hear a knock on the door and it piques your curiosity, go open the door, go check it out. And there may be several doors that you'll have an opportunity. It reminds me of the game. Um, you know, behind door number one, door number two. <laughs> and that's really what life is about. Um, so you've got to just be aware and in the moment and listen for the knock on the door. I love that you said that because awareness really is key. And we talk about that a lot in this podcast, that if you don't start tuning into yourself and those whispers, those thoughts that you have, that you usually ignore, you will miss clues to what can really bring you joy. And I'm sorry, Carol, but that fifth dimension, going from the fifth dimension man band to starting a nonprofit was a big giant leap. And you could have closed that door. <laughs> you really could have closed that door because uh, what's happened is you've, um, like I said in the introduction, you've actually moved a mountain and you've made such a contribution and helped so many people that you've been recognized and nominated for a CNN Hero Award. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, that was a door that opened that I had no idea was about to open. And somebody nominated me. There are tens of thousands of nominees from around the world. And I got this call from a CNN producer in a most awkward 
place. I was in a 99 cent store buying balloons and my cell phone went off and I couldn't hear who was talking to me. And I was screaming into the cell phone saying, wait, wait, I'm going somewhere. I've got these balloons that are ready to fly away. And finally, I could hear clearly that it was CNN looking for me to interview me as a nominee for um, the 2018 Heroes program. And I, I lost it. I was screaming with sheer delight. I looked like Mary Poppins. I was in the parking lot of the store with my balloons ready to take off with me too. And that's how I found out. And it's been the most exciting phase of this already exciting project. So I'm, I live on cloud nine. I am so blessed and so humbled to be part of this amazing journey. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm tired, but I keep on going. There's so much suffering in a home where you're watching your beloved slip away. And the only thing that engages him is music. When he's in a low place because medications are not working, we turn on our marching music. And the caregiver and Owen and, and, and I march around the house. And even if we're just sitting like lumps on the couch together because he's not well and I'm kind of frustrated as to what to do to ease his burden. We sit on the couch and I'm clapping and stomping to the music. And so really and truly, music is our lifeline. And somehow it converts such heavy suffering into so much lightness and pure joy that this is a godsend, nothing short of a godsend for me to have to deal with Erwin on this horrendous journey. That leads right into my next question. As a caregiver, as a caregiver, like, of course, watching what's going on with these diseases, it's very, very hard to watch, as you've uh, described. And can you talk a little bit about how the music has helped you, not just Irwin, but how the music has also helped you? Because that's something that I think caregivers might be surprised about because uh, it is a it's just very difficult to be in this role for a long time. It's diff difficult emotionally. It's difficult physically. Not everybody can get enough support. So can you talk a little bit about what it's like for you as a caregiver and having more music in your life? I personally look so forward to our band rehearsals that happen at a church in our neighborhood. And for me, this is a place to let my hair down. And I do. I'm singing and stomping and clapping along with the music. And there is no judgment Thank God, these are bands with no wrong notes. You hit a bad chord, you hit a bad note, and you just keep on going because this is therapy, therapy for the caregivers. And we know how powerful music is in changing depression. 
And so really, it's very easy for a caregiver to really get very close to depression because, you know, this is, this is a very difficult time to support somebody in their decline. And you've got to be a rock. You've got to be there, present, and accounted for. And my goodness, I, I really find the music stabilizes me, lifts me up, and I'm able to keep going uh, to be a support and a rock for Irwin. And this is happening to everybody. Every caregiver that brings their patient to a musical support group, a, a, a band, is touched by the music. And this is something I did not see initially. But the music is therapy for even people in the audience. And they're toe-tapping and humming and whistling and clapping. And by the end of a rehearsal, everybody in the environment is touched by the music and leaves the facility high on life. So, my goodness gracious, what a blessing to have found the power of music with minimal financial outlay. I mean, look at the availability of music in our world. So turn on the music and get happy, for God's sake. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And another really cool thing about the program that you started with the Fifth Dementia, and some of the other bands are doing this too, is the intergenerational component of it. So can you tell us a little bit how you've involved students? This phase, this additional piece to our mission is to bring students into the setting to play music with the seniors. And my goodness gracious, we see the the students really become comfortable around our people where there is no conversation. But the music is the language that connects the seniors and the the juniors. And above all, it really rebuilds the confidence of the seniors because here they can share in the music which they know as well as they did yesteryear. And so they've got something to share and you watch their power come back their identities, their, their, their egos are established. Literally, we, we're putting their lives back in their lap using music, the only thing that's left for them to do because of the music storage that is impeccably preserved away from the, the diseased cells. So for these juniors to be involved, we'll have them go home and know how to relate to their parents if they have declining parents, the declining health, and their grandparents. They've got music in common, and that is the language that they use at that end stage of life. I'm so proud to say that in Toronto, we've also started a band with the help of Music Men's Minds. It's called Toronto's Recollective. And my son comes out with his guitar And it's a fledgling band, but we're going in the right direction and we're having a lot of fun. The one thing I did want to ask you, Carol, um, as women in the middle, a lot of us 
are familiar with certain age milestones. Uh, With women in the middle, it's usually 40, 50, 60. And uh, my clients talk about the way that they start to think about aging and what it means. And without managing their minds themselves, they can easily get into a midlife funk and think about opportunities lost rather than possibilities still out there in front. So as somebody in your early 70s who's taken on a massive project, you've said that this is one of the most fulfilling times in your life with the work that you're doing. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the way you think about your age, if you ever have to catch yourself thinking a thought that's not useful to you, and uh, just what are your thoughts about age? It's a real wake-up call when you wake up on your 70th birthday. And I've had, I've had difficulty with all of the decades. And then when I get rolling into the decade, um, it, it, it's okay. But 70 is a big number, and, uh, and yes, it, it, it was a wake-up call for me as to what I was going to be doing with my life. I retired from all aspects of professional life. I was um, an artist and loving uh, being creative, but I still had a yearning to do something meaningful. And so it was just an opportunity for me to reckon with myself and to say that I'm going to give this decade of the 70s my all to be able to feel fulfilled. I'm very unhappy with no goals. I need to set some kind of a compass and this project has allowed me the privilege to set that kind of a, a, a compass. And so I'm, I've got my 70s covered. I hope to God I'm still walking at 79 <laughs> and talking and thinking. <laughs> and of course, all of this is part of, of a healthy lifestyle. You've got to include aerobics, and I'm smacking myself right now because I'm so engaged in music men's minds that I'm very sedentary. I have five UCLA students that are part-time employees helping me with the heavy lifting for music men's minds. And so I have an open rotating door with kids coming every few hours hungry ransacking the refrigerator before they come and sit next to me at the computer. And so I'm struggling to uh, carve out some time for aerobics, for movement. Of course, there's good nutrition that you have to take care of. The sugar and the white flour and the caffeine products really make it very difficult for a, a body that's aging to be um, life and, and ready to move and breathe and think. So it's a real holistic package that I'm looking at uh, for my 70s. Um, I, I know what to do. It's a matter of doing it <laughs> before the hammer comes down. 
and uh, yeah, I'm 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 living a package. Um, it's called the '70s, and I'm moving and grooving to the music. Thank God for the music. Oh my God, that's such a good message. So we were moving and grooving to the '70s in our childhood, and you've really given us a whole new take on the '70s. I love it, and I love that you're mindful of um, of those thoughts that pop in about aging that are not useful. And now you know with all of the work you do in mindfulness and the help of music, you're really managing your mind and and uh, not letting those non-useful thoughts pop in. I want to make sure that our listeners understand uh, what they can do with Music Men's Minds, how to find you online, and even if they're interested in donating or perhaps even starting a band in their community. Can you tell people a little bit about how they can find you? We are very easy to find. You can uh, go to our website, www.musicmensminds.org, and beware that the middle word, M-E-N-D-S, means fixing minds. So musicmens, M-E-N-D-S, minds.org. And enjoy our story. We have such a colorful website, which God love my student employees are keeping updated. And somewhere midst all of the 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 frenzy of of and buzz of the media, uh, you're going to find great stories about us and. Of course, there's a donate button. Oh, my God. The (laughs) donate button. You know, one of the biggest hardships of this journey is being a nonprofit and finding benefactors, people who really feel about your cause and have money stashed away for charitable causes. We're still looking for that wonderful benefactor. But while we're looking for the big bucks, the little bucks add up. And if you can help us on a donate button, any amount of money is a pleasure for us to receive. We even encourage people on their Facebook pages to run a little a donation uh, appeal to their people on Facebook, to their friends. And thank you, Susie. This is so important. And it's hard to ask for money, don't it? And yes, if you don't remind people, then you have less chance of them giving. So in anticipation of your feeling generous and your hearts are touched by our sensitive cause, I say thank you to you all for pushing our donate button. Of course, I'll have in the show notes, I'll have the link to Music Men's Minds and some more information about Carol and the CNN uh, Heroes Award nomination. It's so exciting. And there is a little video there that's beautiful. And I'm sure that you would be interested in, in watching that. Carol, I have to say that your energy and vision are really quite something. And you're gorgeous. Ladies, Carol does not look her age. Amazing. And her energy, honestly, when you guys feel tired, just think of Carol moving a mountain. (laughs) And the other thing I really want to point out is so many women over 50 are fearful of taking professional risks and putting themselves out there. 
like Carol has, and just look what she's done. Carol, can you also just briefly comment, and we'll close with this, on what advice you would give to women about dreaming big at any age? Dreaming big. What would you say? These two words are so important. And I now tell my five students who I mentor as they sit next to me at the computer, don't be afraid to dream big because when you're ready, the universe is going to offer you options and opportunities that you may not have even thought about. So I encourage you all, think out of the box. Think big. Do this with confidence. It will empower you to be able to think big. And who knows, it may or may not eventuate. And for me specifically, I never thought this big. Oh my God, the surprises that are coming my way now are past the point of my ability to think out of the box and to really dream. And so I, I kind of feel that, you know, this is a God-propelled project and that I am working with divine intervention and that this is happening because of my, my ability to think big. And the rest are gifts from the universe. So I encourage you, even write down your thoughts about your compass and where you'd like to go. If you're somebody that needs to concretize these thoughts and crystallize them and write them down, they will happen. I love that. Focusing on the future is really where it's at. And just allowing yourself to go there. I've talked about this in an earlier episode. At our age, it's so easy to fail in advance because of fear. We don't even allow ourselves to think these these thoughts, to think big. I know it sounds so cliche, dream big, think big, but it's really true. So really to be careful about those thoughts. I'm too old. It's too scary. It'll never happen. It's too hard. Those are the thoughts that are very comfortable in our brains. So (laughs) I really love that you were very honest about how difficult it was to start the nonprofit, how much time and energy it takes, but also that it's one of the most fulfilling times professionally in your life. Carol, thanks so much for joining us here on Women in the Middle. Your work in this important area is helping so many people, including caregivers and family members. It is so inspirational. You're so inspirational. We really appreciate you sharing your story and wish you the very best with your CNN Heroes nomination. And thank you, Cousin Susie, for giving me this amazing opportunity to reach your community of ladies. Uh, Do we have any men involved? We do have some men, but they are mostly women in the middle. And I think the world of Susie, I can't believe what she's doing for herself and for all of you. So jump on board and grow. That's what we are here to do is to grow daily and stretch and reach for the stars. It's it's a wonderful opportunity and it's a great lifestyle. Enjoy.
That's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. I love reviews. Thank you so much in advance for doing that. It's such a great way to help other women know that there's such good stuff going on here in this podcast. Also, check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one possibility at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.